What is up, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Combo's Court. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe. But in today's show, Doug Norrie of the Locked on Nets podcast joins in to talk Nets basketball. Can't wait for you all to hear a fantastic conversation with Doug. Go subscribe to Locked on Nets and you know you can find me on Instagram at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Locked on Nets. Welcome to Combos Card. I got to admit, um, I'm not a fan of any team. I cover the league at large, but the team I do watch the most is the Nets. So it's good to have you on, man. Yeah, smart. There's not. It's always interesting. I will t- I'll put it that way. Like whether you can do some Schadenfreude with the Nets, you can do some, you know, front running with the Nets. There's a lot of different ways you can take the Nets. I'm not surprised who would be. They don't need to be among your favorites to tune in a lot, I don't think. Well, yeah, this is not in-depth basketball analysis, what I'm about to tell you right now. But if somebody were to ask me, why do you prioritize watching the Nets over the Knicks? It's like the Nets have Kyrie and KD and the Knicks have, which these guys are really good, Brunson, right, and Julius Randle. But I mean, there's a difference there, right? For sure. Yeah, for sure. You can watch like, I mean, it's there's, you can watch Jalen Brunson mid-range or you can watch Kevin Durant mid-range. I don't think it's like or even that. or even Kyrie, like the enter, yeah. like how much he entered. Like to me, Kyrie is the most skillful basketball player he's not a top 10 guy like Steph Curry or KD but the most skillful player to ever play in my opinion oh dude it's just like such this is why I mean among all the other reasons that we like doing the podcast and like watching the Nets it's and and frankly over the years have been frustrated with the Kyrie experience at times has mostly all to do with just like when he's on the court it's so much fun to watch Uh, he just can do things that nobody else specifically no one else's size um can do on such a in such a repeatable way, which is what makes the among the other things, whatever you land with Kyrie, um, it makes the other stuff just even more of a bummer because it's like, hey, when he's on the court, it's actually freaking amazing to watch because you can do stuff no one else can do. What are your general thoughts on this season? I feel like when things were down, things were crazy, the NBA media just went right at the Nets. Like that's all you heard about Nets, Nets, Nets. Then they seem to go on this winning streak and nobody's really talking about the Nets as much, but what are your general thoughts on this season? Because we haven't been hearing about the Nets as much when they started winning. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny because it's maybe not as interesting to have a storyline where they're good. It's probably more fun to have them play the heel or at least the media heel uh, when it comes to not liking these guys. Obviously, the media is going for no matter what you think about Kyrie. There's no doubt about this. The media will want to pile on when things go wrong. Now, he doesn't do himself any favors along those lines. So but the media is happy to be there when there is a slip up or a big mess up or whatever. The, my thoughts in the season, you know, I'm of two minds. I think there's two separate tracks, and this is what we discussed a lot on the podcast in the past, is that there's almost two separate tracks that Nets fans or Nets folks, whatever, have to take. And there's regular season Nets and there's ultimate upside Nets. And those are two very different conversations because the regular season, look, the NBA has become what it is for the regular season. 
the the goal their goals have to be much different than whatever they are when they reach the postseason, which is hitting top end upside, i.e. championships. And you know, with Durant hurt now, it's going to be hard to evaluate. It's going to be tough to know exactly what they are. They have other you know sort of issues, but I'm my thought on them is that they were when during the winning streak specifically it was super fun to watch them because their brand of basketball is very easy on the eyes and it is fast paced and fun. And it looked like everything was clicking. It's a little harder to get into that zone now, but also at the same time, I'm watching with this other eye on it to say, you know, is this a team that can take Boston to seven? Can they take the Warriors to seven? You know, can they beat them? I, it's, it's unclear to me if those are the case. So I'm always kind of watching with two parts of my brain, I think <laughs> about trying to evaluate them. I will say winning is a lot more fun than what was going on for long stretches last year. So, so that, and the year before. So from that standpoint, it has been a pretty fun season. Coach Vaughn has had some interesting quotes lately about pretty much Katie has been, I mean, this is a good basketball team, but from your opinion, how much of this winning streak, this time they're winning is just Katie bailing them out or has it been a more of a collective effort? I mean, obviously Kyrie's seemed better when Katie was playing, but you know, we've seen KD bail Olympic teams out. We've seen him bail the Warriors out. How much of this has just been like KD's will? Yeah, I actually don't think that's been the case, especially when they were really rolling during the winning streak. There was actually nothing to blow out or bail out. They were blowing some of these teams out. I mean, prior to the injury, they crushed San Antonio by 30. They crushed the Hornets. Uh, the Atlanta game was close beat Cleveland easily, crushed the Bucs, crushed the Warriors. Like, there really wasn't much to bail out. They were really rolling as if they were a team that looked I, like they I get, figured I, most of it out. I guess I only say that from watching the last two games. You know what I mean? Well, the last two games have been – okay, well, yeah, okay. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> the last two games have been brutal. Uh, and like, it, lo it looks very different without them, and it's only two games. I know they'll play San Antonio after we record this, but it looks like – it looks kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I think that from that standpoint, it is worrisome that specifically in the fourth quarters of these last two games, when the going has gotten the most tough, that they've yeah. come, they've done, you know, the, <laughs> done the least when it mattered most, right? They've gotten killed in these fourth quarters by Boston and then uh, OKC. Boston, I guess you sort of live with because you're like, okay, it's Boston. There was no Jalen Brown. They're still a pretty high quality team, even without JB. So I think you live with it. The Warriors thing was a little more troubling. Look, when you lose Durant, it's never going to be better than it was. So I think that's that is a not a hot take. I do think that they are seeing what happens specifically when you can't run the offense primary through KD and have everything flow off of him. If you're running it through Kyrie, it's just not going to be the same. It's as much as we're complimentary of Kyrie at the beginning, blitzing him is much different than blitzing KD. Like he's been he. Durant into a double is has yielded a ton of great stuff for the Nets. Uh, Kyrie into the double has not, <laughs> right? And so I think that's part of, part of the problem. So bailing them out, yeah. I do think that it's just they do need some time, but they probably need to take a bit more fundamental approach to how they're going to attack it. Having Simmons last game probably would have helped a lot with that. You're basically saying it's tough when you're contending and Kyrie is your engine. He can't, you can't really contend and have Kyrie be your engine. I, I think that I think that that's those statements don't really fit together. I love Kyrie. He's a great player. Like, but if he's your best player, you're probably not a championship team. Again, not a hot take. Like that's just if your best player is an on ball, a smaller on ball guard, even for all the stuff that he can do, 
that's going to be tough, right? Like, so um, I just don't think that's going to be, it's not, but, and, and no one would ever make the case. It's like, if Kyrie was your best player, they wouldn't be, there's just no world where they would be championship, high-end championship contenders. It's just kind of actually more about basketball than it is about Kyrie. But I still think there's a world where they should be not losing easy games to OKC. <laughs> like like that, that, those situations should still not be happening. So I think both things are true. So the conversation now is should, and we just talked about it's tough when he's your engine, but should Kyrie take more shots? And from the first two games you saw with no KD, what do you think he could do a little bit different? Yeah, so I don't think for him it's as easy as just take more shots, right? I think the shots for him have to be of a certain variety that are high, um, that are going to produce high output. So just having him jack 35 shots a game wouldn't make sense if he was just bringing the ball up, taking on the first defender that met him and trying to cook them. Right. Like that wouldn't make sense, but we've seen Kyrie. I mean, that only makes sense for like three players in the league, right? Yeah. Let's like Luca, like (laughs) KD and yeah, LeBron, maybe even KD, honestly, even KD, like, I'm not sure like that makes a ton of sense. You know what? I have seen him play that like point forward role more than ever before when he got with the nets though. Yeah, and they and they really they really crushed other teams with, with when they would run uh like blitzes at him or bring doubles at him because he can pass over the top of those like Kyrie can't do that so there's like certain certain areas of Kyrie's game that he's just like too diminutive he's too small to deal with these things now that being said if you're running actions where like. Simmons is the screener and you're getting Kyrie right into the matchup that he wants to one-on-one. Hey man, 25 of those shots a game is really, really good where it's one-on-one action. He can get into the mid range. He can get to the hoop. He can blow by people. He can step back, but it has to, it has to come from something else. It can't just come, come over half court, one pass, get it back, reset, and then go to work. Like it's gotta be motion. It's gotta be, it's having Simmons here would really, really help because he's not, he's not really a distributor. He needs to get into a one. He needs to get into an action that gives him like a clear advantage. And then he can destroy those guys. Like he, like he just destroys those matchups. It's just that they're ha- they were having trouble specifically last game, getting him into those looks. You mentioned Simmons. I've been a Ben Simmons defender for a long time now. Whoa, Sometimes, you're the one. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he makes it tough at times, but I just think he has an elite combination of size, yes. athleticism and IQ. Um, for this team to actually win a championship, does he have to be a 15-point-per-game score, a 20-point-per-game score, or can he win just not looking at the rim? Can the team win with him just not being in attack mode and just being that connective piece? Win at the highest level? No. I don't think they can win at the highest level if he can't do those things. It's going to be too easy to take away the things he doesn't do well, especially over a seven-game series. That's already – the science is solved on that one. Like, they've, we've already seen it happen multiple times. And even if he and he and Embiid fit wasn't the best, it was really, really easy to take him out of series in the past because you just – make him sit in the dunker spot, like make him get off the ball, like, you know, just force. Well, they, 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 they also put him in the dunker spot all the time, which was interesting. They, too. They, so, <laughs> so here's the thing with him though. I don't think he needs to be like anything, even like he was with the Sixers where he was, you know, 12 shots a game or something like that. He was, I mean, he's fallen off a cliff where that's concerned, but what they need to have from, in my opinion, for him, for the Nets to go, just take it to the next level, is it at least has to be the threat that it's going to happen. It doesn't even, actually, in my mind, doesn't even have to be super efficient. I don't think it's ever going to be efficient for him, at least in his current iteration. It looks not great when he goes to the rim. But other teams, especially in a longer series, have to believe that it's going to happen, right? Like that it's that if you stick a smaller guy on him, 
he's gonna go up, he's gonna get you into the lane and go up over top of you. Or if you stick a bigger, slower guy on him, he's gonna blow past you and get to the rim, get really going downhill. We saw that a ton when he was with the Sixers. It it actually mitigated the fact that he was never gonna pull up. It was he used his size and strength and speed to get past really any kind of defender and get to the and get to the rim or you know make a read and react it and find an open shooter. It, that's just not part of his bag right now. And it's so passive outside of the three times a game. It seems like he tells himself when he gets over half court, he's going to do it <laughs> right. Like I think that's, it's just not happening nearly enough. So these regular season games against like OKC and whatever, I don't know what I, I and he didn't play there night, but when you get into a longer series, if, if it's not a threat, it's going to be a problem for the Nets. So when I watched the preseason, he wasn't moving great. And I think that improved over the course of the season, right? Totally. Like, and now he's, I don't know, what's his status now? Where is he when it comes to his I mean, health? he got scratched with back spasms two nights ago. It was a later scratch. So it was a war, a pre, it was a pregame warmups thing, which that's never a great sign. He's off the injury report. We're recording this on, I don't know if you care when we're recording. We're recording yeah. this Tuesday afternoon. So um, he's off the injury report now. I do think the threat of him landing on the injury report is going to be there from now till the end of the season. The back stuff is just too dicey he's definitely definitely looks better than the beginning of the season like i don't think actually a lot of it's physical for him on the defensive end he's been really good i mean the timing's been a little off the fouls thing was weird the fouls thing was weird in the beginning right it's still kind of a problem for yeah, him. Like he gets, yeah. he's super, super aggressive. He wants to jump lanes. He tries to jump over screen. He tries to jump screens where he tries to jump the screen and get the ball at the same time. So like, and, and actually a lot of time it works for him because he's really, really great at reading other people's dribbles and knowing where, like how to get into, like get into their pockets so that he can. So I don't actually mind the fouls as long as he's aggressive. I do think he looks better, which actually is why this non-shooting thing is even more of a concern because I actually don't think it's a f- as much of a physical thing. So, you know what he kind of plays like to me? Like, this, he feels like the spotlight is always on him. That's the way he plays. Like, that's the way he plays. And it seems like at times he's right by the rim and he's just afraid to miss. I think that's definitely a thing. Look, I, no one likes to ever hear some dumpy podcaster compare something to their own life. <laughs> Believe me, I don't like when other people do it. As a guy, I played you know every sport in high school, but specifically baseball. I had the yips in baseball when it came to throwing. Like it just at some point it it got into my head. The throwing motion was a problem for me. And, and did it feel I, like for you, everybody was always watching it? I just it, it didn't even matter because I felt like I was watching it. Yes, it did feel like everyone was watching it, yeah. but I just was thinking about every little movement in it. So. I'm saying this to say I can identify with the idea of even if you didn't think everyone was watching, you know, when it doesn't feel right. I I think that that's where he is now. It doesn't feel right. And as as soon as it doesn't feel right, it's just going to look weird. You're going to not follow through on certain shots. You're going to stop shorter than when you should have. You're going to kind of just try to push something toward the rim instead of shooting it. And, you know, there was one time and I do think there's another part of him that it just doesn't like the way it looks. There was one time, man, and this is might be getting too granular. I was watching a a pregame of him shooting around and you know, you've watched a million, I'm sure like a million just guys getting their work in pregame, right. And what it looks like. And it's just constant shooting, constant shooting, constant shooting, ball up, ball up, ball up. And I was watching him and I didn't see him take one shot. Like I didn't see him take one shot. He thinks people are watching. He thinks people are watching him pregame and now i was like man you know what he might be you know what he might be thinking about like people will post an air ball people will post and miss they have which they did did outside right at that brooklyn park at the the outdoor practice they did post it and so and so i was watching i was like it's just not it stood out to me one because it's simmons 
but it also stood out to me because this is just not what you see basketball guys do. Like when you when you watch these guys, all they want to do is get shots up. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because like it's that's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's the yeah. thing. It's the thing. It's yeah. like we yeah. have there's yeah. guys rebounding for us. We're gonna get as many shots up. It's gonna get us loose, whatever. And I was like, man, this is so weird. So anyway, I don't know. I just think that I, I no one no one's rooting harder for him. I I, I want it to I want him to be amazing. I, I really do. I it's this I think he gets the, I, I, I think he gets there. I, I do. So. I, yes, I because, so. yeah. because of the flashes. Well, it obviously a lot of it depends on his health, but he has had some nice flashes. And I think he could get to that as the season goes on. There was a time earlier on in the winning streak where it really looked yes. like it was starting to turn a corner. And it it, it felt like, oh, okay, this is happening. We can kind of see it happening, even if it's not super aggressive, you know, nine shots, seven shots, ten shots. Like it's it's starting to happen. He got 13 up against Memphis. And it's just like these last few ones where you know, I don't know if it's the back. I don't know if it's just kind of where he is mentally or just bad, bad luck with matchup or whatever it is. It just, it's taking a noticeable step back in the short term. So it's always fun to talk about what players are taking a leap in the NBA, which players are improving. I think an underreported story about this season for the Nets has been Nicholas Claxton's play. He's oh, yeah. got a lot stronger. He's finishing around the rim better. The defense is better. What have you seen from him this season? And do you think he's in the conversation for most improved? Oh, yeah. Most improved, he probably will. It'd be hard because you usually got to be pretty sick on offense to get that specific award. Um, you're saying you're someone, saying it's not you're saying it's not eye popping enough. Yeah, he just like most times most improved. The most improved goes to only because I was like looking into this for futures bets <laughs> early in the season. It typically goes to on ball creator guys yeah. who are going to just be able to fill up the box score. Now, where he is in the running, though. In, in the last week as he moved up to third or fourth in defensive player of the year in the um category. And I think that is more reflective of sort of what he's been doing this season as someone who has saved every receipt over the last year about keeping Nick Claxton on the team slash as the starting center. When many, many Nets fans did not want this to happen. Um, it's been, this has actually been better than even I thought it was going to be. He's been so good uh, defensively. He's one of the key reasons that they have been as good as they've been. He's able to, his switchability is amazing. Um, his weak side blocking, shot blocking is great. He hunts blocks, bet, he hunts blocks without it being like a stat filling piece. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's guys that hunt blocks and they're just like, hey, let me get, let me get my three blocks in here because he's changing shots when he's not blocking them as well. Totally. Totally. He's a, his, his help and recover stuff, his scram switching stuff. Like it's all gotten so much better. And he just is a defensive anchor really for them at this point in a way that I think even the most bullish Claxton people probably didn't see coming. One thing that's easy to forget about him is he's been in the league a while, but well, like four years, but he, all of the seasons were derailed with some injury. So he actually hasn't played that many games. I think that this year he's played like, uh, I should have looked this up before we started talking. I, I think like this year represents like half the overall games he's played since he's been in the NBA or half the minutes wow. he's played in the NBA so far. So that's easy to forget because he's been around a while or it seems like he has, but it just, it was, he had like a sickness one year. He had a bunch of injuries this year. He's actually been able to stay on the court and it's really, really paying dividends. He's second in the league in blocks. He like with a good game when we're talking, he could be the leader by the time this posts, right? Like he's only two behind Brook Lopez. Um, so he's just been his effective field goal percentage is the offensive end. The effective field goal percentage is first in the league. Field goal percentage is first in the league. These are all dunks. Um, so whatever. But yeah, man, he's been easily 
like Nets most improved Nets most improved player for sure. And just to be in that conversation for defensive player of the year, it's 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 correct. It's like not just a it's not just a you know passing fancy, oh, he's been playing well. It's correct. He's been that good on defense. How has the TJ Warren experience been? Because just reading body language, I could tell that Katie treats some of his players if they're not peers. They're more like, you know, the young guys that I'm trying to help. I feel like when I see the body language with him and TJ, like he really respects him as a peer just from watching him. What have you seen from his game? Yeah, Warren fits the mold of what they kind of want to do. They like this team is built now specifically to have sort of three level scorers as part yeah. of their as part of be, make sure there's three at least two or maybe three three-level scorers on the court at all times. We obviously know Kyrie and KD are great at this. Seth is great at this. Seth Curry is great at this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and TJ Warren is actually great at this too. He's a great mid-range shooter. Um, and they, I was really skeptical about like what it was going to be look look like when he came back. It'd well, you, so you, were ho- you were hoping for bubble uh, Warren. Oh, dude, bubble <laughs> Warren would have been like the best. Like that would have been the best thing. That It'd be like, the, that would be the big three. completely he was like ridiculous and (laughs) look and you know too like he transformed his game in his last season in phoenix and then when he got to the where he got to the pacers where he started shooting threes and it looked really good i do think for him some things we're still seeing from him i think at times it's looked really good at times it's looked like a guy who hasn't played in two years i think there's still some conditioning stuff that's that he's working through they cannot run him big minutes nor should they um, and there have been times where it's looked a little clunky. Like you can tell he, he's coming out and maybe he wasn't feeling it that night or, and I think all of this is just, look, the dude didn't play for two years and it's going to be hard to be a game speed for long periods of time when that's been the case. I, for, I, honestly, I did not think he was going to play. I, I kept thinking there. I thought they were just going to keep pushing his timeline back. And then that was going to be the end. And I thought the medicals were maybe worse than they had reported. Cause he got a really small deal. Um, and I was just worried. So I'm, I'm so pleasantly surprised by him. And if he's continues to get up to like full game speed, he's a guy that could probably close a close series in the playoffs. In the NBA, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And every team, especially contention has to look to get better. We've even seen a 70 win, a 73 win Warriors team get Kevin Durant. Right. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are. You got to get better. Are there any roster moves trades that you think could be, that could make sense for the nets right now? And, yeah, they're in a tough spot here with trying to improve the roster. A lot of their stuff went out in the Harden trade. They got a little bit back uh, when Simmons, when Harden came, when Harden left and came in with Simmons. So they they dealt the first for Royce O'Neal, which at this point you probably feel pretty good about, right? So um, they, but they, when it comes to their powder, it's not really that dry going into the, the trade deadline, and. I try to be as realistic with the trade stuff as possible with the hope that I'll be pleasantly surprised if something happens. I don't see a lot of worlds where they're able to really upgrade this roster. If they're able to pull off like some, a little bit more length and three point shooting, I think that would be as good as it gets name. Like John Collins has been thrown around. I don't see that as like a real meaningful upgrade for the team. They also just don't have tons, even, even outside of the picks, like they don't have great salary matching stuff. Cause they, it's like, Maybe they want to keep Harris on the team because he actually rep- if he can shoot, it represents something they really need. He struggled this year. Patty Mills is buried. He's like a negative value asset at this point. Cam Thomas has been buried. I'm re- I'm saying these guys because at some point you have to ship something out, <laughs> and I just don't know if they even have enough to ship out that would entice teams to want to send anything meaningful back with the few picks they have. So. I know I'm kind of skating around the answer here, but I I believe that it's 
I just don't think I don't think they have what it takes to make a huge swing at the trade down, even if those guys exist, which I really don't like. We talked about Alex Caruso maybe being like a, a nice upgrade when the yeah. Bulls were tanking, when it looked like the Bulls, they did not tank. When it looked like the Bulls were skid, like sort of skidding and sliding, we looked at Caruso as a, a guy who could play next to Kyrie and pick up the defensive assignments that Kyrie really can't handle at point of attack. His BPM is awesome this season, as it's been every single year. He doesn't need the ball, which you'd want from a guy that comes on this team because they're not going to get the ball, right? So, like, a guy like that would be amazing. I don't think they even have the stuff to get him. But, like, that would be a guy that would be like, oh, that'd be a real meaningful upgrade for the team. So is he the archetype of player that you think would help the Nets? And what would yeah, that? Like you can't you can't bring in who are you going to bring in? You can't bring in a guy that wants to get 15 shots up a game because they're not going to get that in this offense. You're not going to get those looks on a team that has just just Kyrie and KD. Like how do you think like, about Vucevic? how do you how do you think about Vucevic? I think he's just too slow defensively. They want to switch everything, and if they wanted to get into like some drop stuff, then I guess he's fine. But like they like to switch everything. I don't see him being able to really keep up with that, with that defensive scheme. Maybe if you want him to bang a little bit, yeah. Like I was and, thinking, like girth in the playoffs. Yeah, like maybe that's something that they can need. I don't think. I even think they don't have enough to get him. Yeah, but, that's true. And that's and, true. and the thing too is like every one of these moves would have to be predicated on someone else not playing. So it's like, we just praise Nick Claxton. I don't, you can't really play those two guys together. I mean, maybe squint and see it. Probably not. And the, I, and then with Simmons too, like, I think you're just running into a lot of problems. That's why like the Caruso thing, I was like, okay, Hey, look, low usage never needs to never needs to touch the ball. And just, he'll just get bought. Like he'll just love to play defense. That's why people want Kuzma, but I'm like, well, yeah, he's, yeah, look, that would, he's, that would look, help. he's long. I get it. He's athletic. It looks really silky when you watch him play, especially when he's on his game and it's looking good. You, is he going to be the? He's, he's going to be happy getting the fifth most shots on the team? No, <laughs> right? Like I don't just not, yeah. that's not the kind of player he is. Yeah, he already won a championship, so I think he wants to get shots up go. at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly, and that's so that's the other thing that people sometimes fail to realize when you're trying to add pieces to a team that has just sort of generational scorers on the team. They can't add guys that want to let themselves cook for seven possessions a game or 12 possessions a game. Like that's just not, no one's going to want that to happen. It would be, it would be worse for the team. So let's end with this. What would a championship mean for Katie's legacy? I would cement it. I think it's personally already cemented, but like yeah. um, as a top all time player for his legacy, it would be, it would end as a no brainer that he was just one of the top 10 best all time. He's probably there already. Um, I think, yeah, it's just I, legacy stuff. I don't spend too much time thinking about the historical stuff. I do think that KD is funny because I think he really wants it bad. I think all these guys want it bad, but I think he really wants it bad. But I actually think he cares about that less than probably people think he does. I think people want him to care about it so much. But after following him for the last few years, I, I just think the guy likes to hoop. Loves, he just loves to hoop. That's it. That's yeah. it, man. Like he just loves to play basketball. I, I was on another podcast and I'm just going to repeat this quick story for this, but I think it's so instructive about KD and like how he thinks when he was coming back from the Achilles, one of the first press conferences he gave was just about like his time away and reporters were asking whatever questions. And one of them said, what hobbies did you learn while you were rehabbing? You know, when you couldn't play basketball and KD looked at him, he was so confused. He was like, what are you talking about hobbies? He was like, I was rehabbing. Like he never, it was so foreign 
for him to even consider to have done something else besides thinking all the time about basketball that I actually don't even think he understood the question. <laughs> like yeah. he was just like, what am I going to build ships in a bottle? No, like build, like yeah. build model, model railroads. Like I was in the gym on a chair getting who shots up. <laughs> like, yeah. so I just think that's the way he thinks. And I think the championships are, are like a nice byproduct to him having spent his whole life playing basketball. Yeah, I think it's a misconception that everybody in the NBA absolutely loves basketball, but he's definitely one of those guys that would be playing ball if he never played in the NBA. Oh, dude, there was a quote yeah. the other day from Steve Clifford, uh, the Hornets coach, because he well, because he worked with the Nets last year as a consultant. And he said KD would come in and say, like, hey, did you watch St. Joe's play last night? And Clifford's like, no, <laughs> He's like, but, 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 like, but that's what KD was doing. It was going home and watching college hoops. And that was just part of his night. If you follow him on Twitter uh, once a night, he tweets about something that happened in a college game, like, and just, and he tweets about youth basketball and, and stuff like that. Just, I literally, all he thinks about, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Doug, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Where can we find your podcast? Uh, Locked on Nets on the Locked on Network. You can follow me and my name, Doug Norrie on Twitter. Uh, yeah, much appreciated. Anytime. Talk soon. Thank you to everyone who tunes into Combo's Court across the globe. Big shouts to Doug for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Rate and review the show wherever you tune into Combo's Court. And be on the lookout for episode 438. Combo, out.